You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, and I am joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. Mike is a little cranky today, so we're going to take it easy. We're going to kind of slide right into this and, and, and not get too crazy off the bat. But Mike, what do you want to talk about today? Snow, ice. Uh, almost killed myself on my driveway because my dog couldn't figure out how to go to the bathroom and kept pulling me around. Uh, so I could have been concussed and killed, and then where would we be? Our network would be ruined without me, so I really don't, I don't know what, it was a close call there, Gorney, you almost lost me. Thank God, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't, uh, have the, the little kids in the neighborhood shoveling off your, your extensive driveway down to the, down to the road behind the gate this well, morning. Well, I did have, my neighbor did help my wife bring the garbage out this morning while I was sleeping. I didn't even know she was doing it. I didn't. I had no idea. You're like I'm Sal Governale having his wife take out the garbage and, and shovel the snow. Shovel That's the terrible. snow while he sits inside because of his hair plugs. Feel feels like 31 in, in in your hometown today, Mike. I mean, come on, that's not that bad. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ice out there. Let's talk yeah. about how bad Florida State finished. Let's talk about that. Nick Cross choosing Maryland. Uh, the quarterback Legendre choosing Maryland. Two four-star kids choosing Maryland over Florida State. Their class rank is 18. Even when it was 15, it was the worst class rank they've had in years and years and years. Yeah, 12 years, I think. It's the worst uh, since 2007. And this, I'll, I'll take the positive side first and then go negative because that's the, that's the way you do it. But uh, this uh, really speaks to how Florida State has recruited so incredibly well over the last, uh, since 2002 in, in Rivals history. Uh, when I was doing this story, they it looked, you know, they were third in the class, third in the country, eighth in the country, fifth in the country. It was amazing. Um, but Willie Taggart was brought there to recruit really, really well and to, to get the best players in the state and to lock up the best players in the class. And that is not what has happened so far. Um, they are 18th. They are far behind... Clemson, which is obviously the cream of the crop in the ACC, if not the country. And this has to be worrisome because the team did not look very good at all this past season. They had their worst season in many, many years. Now they have a recruiting class, which is their worst in many, many years. I think they did phenomenally well still at defensive back with Akeem Dent and Brandon Gant and Travis Jay and a host of others. But losing Nick Cross to Maryland, losing Sam Howell to North Carolina... That has to be very concerning uh, for Florida State fans and for Taggart, who was kind of brought there because he could recruit so well. He also is known as kind of a turnaround master. That's still up for debate. Um, you know, turning a one and nine, one and ten team to five and seven isn't exactly the greatest thing in the whole world. So uh, we'll see. I, I have never been a tremendous fan of the hire. We'll see how it turns out in the coming years, but. People can't be too thrilled about this recruiting class if you're Florida State. No, especially when you don't have a quarterback in the class for the second straight year. That's just yeah. That and then you lose your killer. Then, then you lose Francois, so you're really thin. Yeah, they're they're in big trouble. I, I don't expect a whole lot of other Florida State this upcoming season, even though there is talent on the roster, and they did add some talented guys. But if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm upset with that ranking. I mean, I signed over 20 guys. 
So I'm not being penalized for signing under 20. 3.45 average star ranking is not bad, but it's about what South Carolina does. It's, you know, Arkansas had a better average star ranking. So, you know, you compare them to teams that are surrounding them in the rankings, and it, it, they just aren't powerhouse teams. They should be up in the top 10, top 5, and it must sting a little bit that Jimbo Fisher put together the number 6 recruiting class in the country and showed that he can recruit. We know he gave up on recruiting his last year at Florida State, but when he wants to recruit, he can put together great recruiting classes. So Florida State fans hate Jimbo Fisher because he gave up on them and he left on his own and uh, you know, he lucked into a national championship. They'll tell you all that good stuff because of Jameis Winston. But I certainly think that privately they would they would like to have Jimbo back. Yeah, absolutely. When when Jimbo tries, he's pretty good at, at recruiting and coaching. And he didn't try for a year, and it was a mess. And this is a turnaround project and all those kinds of things. But, you know, for Florida State, you have to be worried that Georgia comes in and gets the number one player in the state. Alabama gets in there whenever they want to get anybody. Um, you know, and, and, and if you're Clemson, you have to look back and, and say, you know, we pretty much have the glide path to the college football playoff. Now, Miami is not recruiting really well. This was by all counts, a disappointing class, even though it was a semi transition class. I don't know if you would count it as a complete transition class. Um, and then Florida state is not recruiting well. And who else in that conference, uh, can even put up a fight. So, uh, if you're Clemson, you have to really like what's going on here. If you're Florida State, you have to be worried um, because, as we talked about, Mike, in some stories last week, Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State are getting into Florida at a very concerning pace to get a lot of those top players. And that could be an IMG factor, um, but they're also getting into South Florida. Uh, getting Tyreek Stevenson out of a place like Miami Southridge, for him to pick Georgia over Miami is concerning. To get Jordan Battle who flipped from Ohio State to Alabama, wasn't even involved with the Florida schools. That has to be concerning. Noah Kane is an IMG kid, but he went to Penn State. Frank Ladson's a South Florida kid who goes to Clemson. That, that has to be concerning for those in-state schools, um, for all three of them, but Miami and Florida State, I think, in particular. Well, and, and we did the piece today about the combine invitations. Only three players from Florida State invited to the combine. Um, yeah. You know, that's yeah. also pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's that's that's an incredible number, and as you look at this Florida State class, you know the 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 team now, are the numbers going to be drastically higher in the next few years? I don't really think so. Um, you know, I mean, as you go down, Cam Akers will obviously be invited, and some others, but this isn't a this isn't I don't think a one off year where they're going to get three, and then next year they're going to be back up to eight, nine, ten guys. Um, I just don't know if there's a tremendous amount of talent on that team. Uh, when you look at Clemson, they got 11. Next year, they could get 11 again if they wanted to. And so that has to be concerning because Florida State used to be right with Clemson, then Clemson surpassed them, and now Clemson, it looks like, is running away from them. And another team that's falling on hard times is USC. <clears throat> Puka Nakua. I mean, did I do that right? Yes, you did. Very good. Nice. Thank you. Decided not to go to USC and decided to go to Washington. That's another sign of uh, USC's horrible recruiting under Clay Helton. Their finish, I think, was the worst. Had to be. History of rivals. Yeah. So, I mean, so they're had to be. Th third in the Pac-12 is the worst they've ever done. 
19th is the worst they've ever done. And a 3.27 average star ranking. Yeah, that's, that's and that's bad horrible. too. That's embarrassing because there's so much talent in, in California. Just by default, kids that go to USC just because they're they just don't want to go away from home. I mean, USC could recruit five stars. First time I think also since the early 2000s they didn't have a five star in this class. You know, yes. Carroll took over, so they're they're falling apart as well. So I mean, maybe it's good. Parity is always nice, but we don't have parity. We got Georgia and Alabama, you know, and we Clem- got Oklahoma dominating the Big Ten with, with Texas coming up. We got Clemson dominating the ACC. Ohio State and Michigan still seem to battle it out for the Big Ten, and then the Pac 12 sucks. So, um, you know, overall, I'm just looking for teams that are going to break through here and, and make the playoff. Texas is one of them. LSU could, but I don't believe in the coach, especially since they're in the West. Yep. Um, Texas A&M, the same thing. I believe in the coach, but they're in the West. There's Michigan. No Alabama problem. Um, Michigan, yeah. Florida, yeah. I think both of them could. And I'm not sure about Penn State. Um, you know, Notre Dame already has. I think that won't happen again for a little while. You know, just because of their schedule. I think their schedule... It's very difficult. They, they go all over the world and all over the country, and um, they have the academic restrictions and recruiting that keep them down a little bit as well. So I don't know. I just don't know who those next teams are going to be that are going to break through. There's got to be somebody out west. I, I don't believe it's Oregon, even though they recruited very well. I think um, it's probably Washington. I think that's prob- they're, they're still probably the best team in the conference. Um, and they just got, they got thumped when they got in there. Yeah, they did, but they also played a, a pretty good Alabama team. Well, still they got thumped. No, but if you look at the Pac-12, and I'm not going to make excuses because there are none to make, um, they had one five-star signee in the entire conference. Uh, that's just pitiful. The SEC, the best conference in football by far, had 18 five-stars. <laughs> so that's just uh, that's just embarrassing for the Pac-12. And, and for USC, the the job they did recruiting was not good. Kayvon Thibodeau uh, really was not recruited all that hard by USC for long stretches. They tried to get back involved with him. He had no interest. Brew McCoy enrolled at the school and was going had the playbook and was going through all of their you know winter workout stuff and then left and is now at Texas. Chris Steele had been committed. And now is at Florida, Joe Nagata, who is a 6'4", outside, playmaking wide receiver who plays and looks just like T. Higgins, uh, had no interest. Uh, They got Drake Jackson. They couldn't flip Ryan Holinsky. They couldn't get Spencer Rattler, who's now a five-star quarterback at Oklahoma. They really didn't have much interest in Jaden Daniels. Zach Charbonnet, who's a pounder running back that they could have used, never really was after him. Uh, Sean Dollars, a playmaking outside running back. And guy that they could use all over the field, never really after him. So they didn't do a very good job at modern day. Oregon came in there and ate their lunch, which is basically a feeder school. I mean, everyone pretty much accepts that if you go to modern day, you're going to go to USC. Um, that, that didn't happen. They didn't do well at Narbonne, which is a city school, which basically feeds kids to USC as well. So um, very, very poor job by USC. Oregon really stepped it up and, and loaded up in this class. First time Oregon has finished number one in the Pac-12 in Rivals history, and USC is kind of nowhere to be found right now. 
So I think everything's going to change, obviously, with the, the transfer portal, and I think people are going to supplement the recruiting classes. We're already seeing Miami do it with a bunch of former, you know, four stars and five stars from other programs. Um, that's going to be the secondary route. If you can't get kids in high school, it used to be, let's get some JUCO kids in here so they can make an immediate impact. Now with the transfer rules and, and all the waivers being granted, um, you know, we can get into the Justin Fields thing if we want. I, I, I tweeted, you know, I forget what it was earlier this week, last week, whatever. If anybody thinks that Justin Fields, if anybody thinks that Tate Martell aren't transferring because they couldn't, couldn't win the starting job, they're, they're living in la-la land. They just do not understand that that's the way this is. These kids want to play. Right. Um, they have every right to transfer. I don't like the fact that they become immediately eligible, you know, because then you're talking about potential free agency. But if it does come to that, a team like USC, warm weather, pretty girls, no fan base really, not a, not a huge fan base, but um, you know they they could attract some some big time transfers. And I was looking at the transfer, you know some of the some of the big name transfers out there. I mean we got some guys that used to be, you know, four stars and yeah, it's not just a bunch of slouches. Yeah, it's like a who's who of kids that you know. I mean, look at the quarterbacks, DeAndre Francois. Sim Hill, both four stars. Hendren, uh, Hendren Hooker from Virginia Tech, I think he was a four star. Ty Story out of Arkansas. Braxton Burmeister. Uh, Nick Starkle was a three star. Josh Jackson, I think, might have been a four star. But, you know, on and on you go. Wide receiver, Jawan Johnson, Darnell Solomon, um, you know, Eric Kuma. Lots of guys out there. Can you believe our boy Trevin Sidney is leaving? Well, he never really had much of a big-time career at USC. And, and the, but he led the, us to the 7-on-7 championship in the five-star challenge. And to me, that's most important, you know, and so that's fine. I mean, he'll always be beloved by the but remember, remember management team. So long ago, like last week, when the transfer portal, you needed to have like a real justification for yeah. transferring. and Like Eddie Vanderdose and his sick. What was it? Sick grandmother. Mom, yeah, grandmother. you needed to have like a legit excuse and it was researched. Yeah. And now it's just, okay, if you want to transfer, you can go, which I think is perfectly fine. I mean, if you're a student at Notre Dame and you want to become a student at UCLA, you don't have to sit out a year to do that. Yeah, but you're uh, also and, not getting and these are student all the perks athletes. and benefits. You're well, if you're, if, you're, benefits. If, if you're on academic scholarship at Notre Dame and UCLA offers you an academic scholarship, you don't have to sit out a year. But you're also not spending millions of dollars recruiting that academic athlete. Well, I, I don't know how much they're spending recruiting them, and I, I think they have plenty of money to do whatever they want to do. I think I think coaches are against the transfer portal because it takes power out of the coaches' hands and puts it in the players' hands, and coaches don't want that. Well, I think they're worried that if, you know, if there is a coaching change of a popular coach um, – or if they're taking over a program, that there could be 30 to 35 kids just transferred if a coach leaves. Well, I also think we live in a world where when coaches leave for better jobs, it's it's seen as they're helping their career and they're they're benefiting themselves and their families. And when a player does it, he's a jerk who has no uh, you know loyalty to that program. And so I think that should change too. I think the transfer portal can get ridiculous because... Every player could transfer 
whenever they don't get if Tate Martell doesn't get the job at Miami, is he going to transfer to UNLV? I mean, is that is that what we're talking about here? And that's that's a, that could become a potential problem. But I think not allowing kids to transfer schools or having to sit out when the rule isn't for anyone else, I think that becomes a, a potential issue as well. Nah. Maybe it'll encourage coaches to stay at the jobs that they were that they promised to stay at. No, it won't. Money dictates. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not going to stay at the jobs if they can get a better job with more money. But I, I think this think could also encourage the NCAA to look at starting to compensate players, which should have happened a long time ago. If Tate Martell was making his market value at Ohio State, he might consider staying there and getting his degree and not nah, going. It's, it's, it's still leave. Yeah, he could. Because he, because he thinks he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, that's NFL true. NFL quarterbacks make millions and millions of dollars, so some little pittance of, of, of market value in college is nothing compared to millions and millions of dollars. And he sees a five foot eight quarterback at Oklahoma who's going to go to the NFL draft and become a first-rounder, and obviously deservedly so. He won the Heisman. He was amazing. And Tate Martell's done nothing, but he's going to want to do that. So I don't think there's any way you could stop kids from transferring – this day and age where they want instant gratification and they're not willing to, you know, wait around and, 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 and wait their turn. You know, Mitch Trubisky waited his turn. Yeah. He's making millions of dollars and I have tremendous respect for him. He, he um, did, but Baker Mayfield didn't wait his turn and uh, he transferred and Kyler Murray transferred. And I mean, you can well, look. You're talking about two sort of difficult personalities there as well. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true too. I mean, but those I think guys are very competitive, and they didn't get along with their coaches, and they were promised things, so they said that didn't come true. And uh, obviously, they went into great situations at Oklahoma, and right, you know, played themselves into the NFL. But I, I, I'm not surprised at all that either of those guys transferred. Oh no, I'm I'm certainly torn by what's going on in college football. That if you don't immediately get the starting job, uh, you you're gone. <laughs> I mean that that has become a major problem. Um, but but you're also in a situation too, and we can go down the list of guys that this has happened to too, where you're not immediately promised the start. You're immediately promised the starting job. You don't get it. You stay. And then a transfer comes in who's better than you, and then they get the starting job, so you're screwed anyway. So yeah. a lot of times this is the player's issue. This is the parents. This is some stupid coach telling you what you should do or uncle telling you what you should do. And that is definitely a problem that needs to be addressed. But it's also a situation where kids stay, and then they bring in a, they bring in a transfer, and then the kid who stayed and was loyal gets screwed because the coach needs a better needs someone else to uh, take over. Yeah, I, I don't know what the solution is. I, I like. Yeah, I don't know if there is one. Oh, I like the one year. I mean, kids really thought about it, and they said, you know, uh, I'm I'm gonna, you know, stick it out. You know, I'm either gonna go to my new school where nothing's guaranteed to me, and I'm gonna have to sit out of here and watch other people, you know, uh, develop on the field at my position, or I'm gonna stay where I am and work my butt off to try to, you know, crack the starting lineup here. If you if you, there's some sort of you know impediment is that a word? That's a word, right? Sure, yeah. I'm a writer. Um, then I think you can get kids. To, but when you get the Brew McCoys of the world who go there for two weeks and the coach leaves and he's going to get a waiver, we all know he's going to get a waiver. We all know he's going to play right away at Texas, and he never should. Why should he get a waiver? Why? Well, well, okay. So here's the situation. 
If you if you sign with a school because a coach promised that he's going to stay at that school and run offense while you're there, and then you sign with the school, and then a week later that coach leaves, how is that the kid's fault? It's not the kid's fault, but what, what do you do? I mean, where does it stop? What if the strength and conditioning coach leaves? And I was really planning on packing on 20 pounds of muscle, which I still am, by the way, for those of you out there. Oh, okay. me fat on Twitter because someone just did call me fat on Twitter. How dare they? I'm looking, I'm looking to bulk up, actually, is what I'm looking to do. But uh, what if the strength and conditioning guy leaves? You know, what if what if the position coach leaves? You know, not just the offensive coordinator. I know. It's definitely slippery, a problem which I'm not sure has answers. Slippery slope. And it's just, it's got to be fun. I mean, I'm really, really interested in seeing where Josh Jackson's going to end up. Yeah. The quarterback for Virginia Tech. I, I look at DeAndre Francois, and I wonder who's going to take him, if anybody. You know, where is Burmeister going to go? Um, Sydney. You know, I already talked about him. Jawan Johnson. Where is he going to go? It's, it's, it's like a second recruiting cycle that you can follow all year long with so much talent, too. And what's really interesting is how coaches are going to recruit to this because will they want to load up their entire class with and take up all of their scholarship numbers with high school kids when they could get uh, you know, transfers like this? And will they start recruiting? And how does, how does that stop? Because there's no – I don't think there's any role for uh, – I don't think there's any role for – recruiting players parents and high school coaches during the season so can someone go to uh jt daniels's father can can any school go to jt daniels's father now and go they're not using you right at you your son right at usc transfer here and we'll he'll be the starting quarterback next year well the coaches can't but they can do it through seven on seven coaches yeah sure and other stuff sure and then from what i understand when you're in the portal then you can be contacted and there's no repercussions for stepping into the portal right so you can go into the portal you can step out of the portal, out of the portal. yeah you yeah. know and it's one of those things where you know why not what, what does it hurt to be in the portal yeah i, I think this you know? is something that needs to be addressed and have their hands around because well they this... won't address it for five years yeah i know way behind on everything right right It'll be interesting. I mean, they they got to send a message with somebody, and, and I, I think Fields could have been that guy and just say, "Yo, no, you got to sit out of here." Yeah. And then Ohio State would struggle because they have no quarterbacks because Tate Martell transferred, and then you know maybe others would sort of forget about Justin Fields for a year and not want to follow along. But when you let him go, now how do you say no to Tate Martell? I know. I mean, what what was the justif? I don't, I don't know because I, I didn't see the paperwork. But what was the justification that? Justin Fields used. There was a racial slur used by by the Georgia player. baseball player, right? Yes, and he got kicked off the team. But Zach Smith, apparently, according to at least Trevin Grimes and you know other people, yeah, you know at Ohio State was was uh, slurring everybody. Well, yeah. I mean, Tate Martell has that excuse. He has the excuse that his head coach couldn't coach for three games because he was suspended by the NCAA for the handling of a domestic abuse situation. I mean, right. that's it's, also, you know, I mean... But there's you can, any excuse. You can come up with any excuse. Yeah, I know. No, yeah, absolutely. I 
you don't feel comfortable in the culture, blah, 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 and just come up with, you know, like, there's just any excuse. The, so, the real excuse was that Justin Fields was promised that he'd probably be the starting quarterback, if not the starting quarterback, get legit playing time, and he never did, and he just ran the ball. And the real excuse was Tate Martell couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins, and then Justin Fields transferred and was better. So, I mean, those are the real excuses. Right, but they'll never publicly No, that. no, they can't do There's it. always got to be some sort of secondary excuse. So. Right. And that's what, you know, that's buyer beware, obviously. And I'm not saying buyer that they're paying these kids with, you know, just a, a term. Just the, the term, right. Yes. These kids aren't transferring because they're Trevor Lawrence. Right. You know, they're, they're transferring because either they weren't good enough to impact at the school they're at, or they got booted for certain reasons, uh, suspended for certain reasons, uh, academic issues, um, or that they just think they're better than they are. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's risky, just like JUCO kids are risky. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely risky, but um, do you take the risk on Drew Richmond and Darnell Solomon, or do you take the risk on a high school kid who is hyped up and might not be as good and needs development. So it, it will be very interesting. You know, when, when, you know, I, co- I've, I used to follow college basketball pretty closely until it got completely out of hand and just looks like an AAU basketball game. Um, and Kentucky did this when the one and done rule came in, the strategy by John Calipari was, I'm just going to recruit one and done guys. And then I'm going to take them to the final four. And then next year I'll get five more one and done guys and do it all over again. And I think he's changed his strategy there a little bit, but the, the, the point of that is that I think some coaches will try to blend the transfer guy, the, the portal guys in almost as much as the re- recruiting a class because honestly, it, it could be a lot easier. Um, you know, you, you're going up against 20, 20 schools recruiting a high school senior and you're dealing with a lot of issues and there's a lot of things going on. Where Drew Richmond is looking for a new home, and if you go in and convince him pretty quickly that this could be the place for him to come in and start at left tackle, then it could be a lot easier on you. So I think it will be a whole new round of recruiting. It will be, we'll see if it's a trend in five years or if it's addressed and somehow stopped or slowed or just goes away. But uh, it's it's here it's here now, and it, and and for some teams it could really benefit them in a lot of ways. Well, and people are really interested in it, too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's brought a new level of interest in college football during the offseason. I mean, Woody and I just did the offensive all-portal team, which just got released on Rivals.com. And if you haven't checked it out, check out some of the names on there because you'll recognize a lot of them as big-time recruits, um, you know, who just either had success um, and just, you know, either didn't get along with coaches or – injuries or like i said you know other other things caused them to transfer but um some some big names in the transfer portal bigger more names than i thought yeah you know i mean calvin ashley remember him yeah yeah big offensive tackle at one point then he had a shoulder injury and then he had knee injury and you know went to three high schools or whatever but you know started off as one of the best looking kids ever i mean if you can get him right um, you're talking about a kid that could possibly plug and play. Josh Waraboko, your uh, 
wasn't he from Texas or was he UCLA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ruben Unijay. Um, I'm talking about pretty good offensive linemen that can come in right away. I mean, look at um, Parker Braun at Georgia Tech. Yeah. You know, this guy was all ACC as a junior. Um, they get a new coach, and he doesn't like the new offense, and he wants to transfer. And he's gone, and yeah. He'll end up someplace, who knows where, and, and he'll be a plug-and-play guy right away, whereas the high school guys are not ready for that. So, um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe the thing is your first transfer is free. Then after that, you have to sit out a year. I'm going through this all-portal offense and just quickly reading it, and it's a lot of guys, and first of all, the issue of where you can play three games and then uh, if you, if things aren't working out, you can transfer or you preserve your year of eligibility. I is be- four. four games. Oh, I'm sorry, four games. Um, yeah, yeah uh, that has become, that seems like a great rule, but it also becomes a wide open transfer issue because Greg Bell, here's an example of a kid who yep. played played in his first three games, lost his starting job, and immediately transfers. Um, Juwan Johnson, Darnell Solomon, both had big 2017s. Juwan Johnson at Penn State, Darnell Solomon at USF. Their production went down in 2018, transfer portal. So it's a very delicate balance that as a coach, you have to say, you know, they do this in the NFL. Uh, Guys talk about this all the time about how their fantasy stats have gone down and they're, they're upset about it because it's, there's there's a lot of debate about how how valuable you are. In, this sounds stupid, but it's true. How valuable you are in fantasy leagues is how valuable you are in contract years. So um, guys want distribution, and if Trace McSorley is not finding Juwan Johnson enough or the ball's not going to him, uh, whether he's dropping it or whatever else, that becomes an issue. So there, it's becoming much more complicated for coaches um, it's becoming a lot easier for kids just to jet out of town and find somewhere else. Cause as much as coaches complain about it, the, the way to stop this is for coaches not to take transfer portal kids if you want to really stop it. But, um, that's not going to happen ever because you'll, you're you going to complain about it on the front end when you're losing kids. But on the back end, when you're loading up with, with really talented kids, you love the transfer portal as a coach. Will it bring parity? I don't think so because... That's an interesting question, but I don't see Clemson's players going into the transfer portal. I don't see Alabama's top players going into the transfer portal. I, I, you know, as we look down this offense, we, we have you know Texas A&M's backup quarterback. Josh Jackson's a little bit of a surprise, but Virginia Tech's not a major national player. You know, I think you're getting you're getting talented kids that could add pieces to a school, um, and I do think that if you uh, really take advantage of the transfer portal and do it the right way and have some luck, which is really most important thing in recruiting and in transfer portal recruiting. Um, if you're a team that's struggling and you can get Darnell Solomon and Juwan Johnson to join your team and then you get Parker Braun on your offensive line and Drew Richmond, that's a pretty good haul. <laughs> that's a pretty good guys that can step in right away and provide a spark to a team like Florida State that struggled or USC or whoever else. Um, but I'm not sure... It, if you're going to load up on transfer portal kids, that's going to be a team that could become a national player again. Yeah, and I don't know if the rich will have room for them, you know. Like, obviously, right. Ohio State needed a quarterback. So, you know, 
that it just worked out for Justin Fields. And had they not needed a quarterback and Haskins decided to come back, he wouldn't have transferred there. I think ended up at Oklahoma or someplace. I think the real issue is let's take Ohio State as just an example, and this is just an example, people, so don't don't go nuts. But the real issue here is when you bring in a Justin Fields and he's basically going to be your starting quarterback and everyone knows it. So Tate Martell leaves. Should Matthew Baldwin leave? Should whoever else do they do they clear house of their quarterbacks after this? Like um, Tate Martell goes to Miami. If he wins that starting job, do all of Miami's backup quarterbacks leave? I mean, that's right. the issue now. That that because uh, you know you you you're bringing in someone to take over someone else's starting job. People were waiting for uh, what happens to all of those backups. Uh, Braxton Burmeister leaving Oregon was a, a strange situation because all he had to do was wait one more year until Justin Herbert left for the NFL, and then he would probably be the starting quarterback. Um, yeah, but, but nobody wants to wait. But nobody wants to wait. A- and no one wants to be taken over the top by a transfer portal, co- portal quarterback because you know that, that guy, they're bringing him in to be the starter. So all of these things are interesting topics that uh, don't really have an an- don't have a clear answer other than Saying yes, it's 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 a free it's a free for all, or no, everyone has to sit out a year. Well, yeah, and it should be everyone has to sit out a year, and I, I really don't know when that changed. You know, I know the Eddie Vanderdose situation after yeah. he signed with Notre Dame and then decided to go to UCLA, and it took months and months and months. And I think Chantrell Henderson signed with USC and ended up going to Miami, but that took months and months and months. Um, you know, and they both had, you know reasons but they had to prove those reasons and there wasn't a quick turnaround to those decisions and it was really vetted quite well now all of a sudden it's like like shane bouchelle just transferred someplace i I forget where smu immediately eligible yeah yeah now what's his justification other than he couldn't beat out sam ellinger you know i have no idea so when i see something like that i I just know that everybody's going to get a waiver yeah i don't understand what his waiver is yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe know. there is a reason. I don't know, but not a good enough one. And if Cliff Kingsbury leaving is not a good enough reason to to bypass the transfer rules, but it will be. Right. Uh, so you know we're heading towards college football free agency. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be an absolute mess because you know let's say you know Softshore who decided to go to Alabama over LSU. Yeah. Let's say he doesn't start his first year. Everybody right. and their grandmother's going to be telling them you made a mistake, you should come to LSU, you play right away, jump in the portal, instantly transferred to Baton Rouge, and you know, and maybe play. he is playing right away. And Alabama takes a couple of years to develop their defensive tackles at times because they have so many good players. Well, that's um, the other thing, too. I mean, okay, Tosh Lupoy leaves Alabama for the Cleveland Browns. Should all of Alabama's defensive line recruits and the people he recruited – be able to just just the, the early signees, the early enrollees, just be able to leave and go somewhere else. That's basically what Brew McCoy did. So if yeah. you're setting that precedent, then then Antonio Alfano, if he doesn't like what is being served for lunch or how he's treated or whatever else, could be at Rutgers tomorrow. I mean, that's that becomes a major problem, and I think that's not a major problem for the kid. I think it's a major problem for the coach, the millionaire coaches that have to deal with this and figure it out. Um, but it is certainly a problem. I mean, and then if Antonio Alfano isn't doesn't like his defensive line coach at Rutgers, could be could he be at Penn State after next season? I mean, that becomes almost unwieldy. 
unwieldy. Maybe they change it so it's not year-to-year scholarships. Maybe they make them four-year guaranteed scholarships. See, that would benefit the player, player. so I'm, I'm, I'm in support of that. But it's, it's four-year guaranteed scholarships, but you're stuck. You know, like when you and I sign our multi-million dollar, multi-year deals with rivals. Yeah, right. You know, we get the benefit of, of job security and all that stuff, but we, we're, we can't go anywhere. So, you know, maybe if you have four-year guaranteed scholarships and that's not year-to-year, then you can't transfer at all. That would be crazy. Right. Yeah, but 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 coaches sign multi-year deals all the time, and they they transfer jobs all the time. So there have to be yeah, opt-out options. They're paid, they're paid employees. Well, that's that. I think that is the answer. I think that is what we're coming to. We're the players are paid employees. They're they're bringing in millions of dollars for these schools and these coaches. And I think it, I don't think it would stop the transfer portal, but I think it would drastically limit it. If a kid like Jonah Jackson at Rutgers is paid market value, whatever that is, whatever that's determined is his market value, if he's paid that, if he could get more at another school, then fine. I mean, why would we not be in support of that? But if he can't, then he would probably stay at Rutgers. And so that limits the kids like, you know, Jonah Jackson. I'm just going up and down this list of guys. Louis Dorsey at Illinois that, that probably couldn't go anywhere else. Uh, for for the same amount of money, and I don't know why we would be against giving kids who bring in millions of dollars for these universities any sort of financial incentive to stay at those schools. I don't know. It's just I, I think it's slippery slope, and you really don't know how to weigh it out. Like, what is market value? That's determined by the school. The school has a board, and they have run run us. The colleges are run like businesses, so. Treat your football players like employees and give them the money that they – now, Now the, the market value that they determine it to be is a scholarship, an academic – an athletic scholarship where they get room and board and whatever that – books and all that kind of stuff. That's what they're determining, they're determining it now. So at Stanford, it's $60,000 a scholarship and at some schools, it's twenty five or whatever else. But if you're Justin Fields, are you worth only – $45,000 a year at Ohio State? Absolutely not. No one is going there to see Ryan Day run out on the sidelines. They're going there to see Justin Fields. So if Ohio State wants to pay him $150,000 a year, then let them. And if Alabama wants to give him one hundred seventy-five, dollars then, then let them too. Free agency. <laughs> run, run college football like the NFL. The NFL makes millions the of NFL dollars. The NFL doesn't have pure free agency though. No, they don't. But you, know, you would... They have contracts you're signed. You know, sure. you're locked into your first three years as a rookie, and you get your big contract in your fourth year, and on and on and on. So, so let let college football run just like the NFL. I, there's so no recruit reason recruit them with money and sign them to three or four year deals if you want to. Absolutely, why not? I don't know. It just seems wrong. <laughs> it's why why doesn't it seem wrong for Macaulay Culkin to make millions of dollars in Home Alone or? Any kid actor or kid musician to make millions of dollars, we support that. But when it comes to football players or athletes in general, we're like, no, they're amateurs. We can't do that. I don't know. I don't support Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I do support Home Alone, though. That's a great Christmas movie. Oh, come on. That was just doesn't stand up the test of time. <laughs> I'm so tired of transfers. <laughs> Honestly, I am too. I wish we could just go back to like 
2005 when no one transferred, they just played. Remember, in 2005, people didn't decommit either. What's amazing is that Tom Brady would have been in the transfer portal if, if yeah, you know, I mean, the people that would have been in the transfer portal are, are just amazing. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, so many quarterbacks played one year and then just went to the NFL and it was perfectly fine. And now, and you know, it's what's dumb about the transfer portal and people transferring is it's good not to have a ton of college tape early in your career sit behind someone else learn and then don't make all those dumb mistakes that freshman quarterbacks make all the time other than trevor lawrence because he's so awesome um but the nfl picks that stuff apart you want the the least amount of tape out there not the most amount especially when you're young and still learning well kyler murray might have transferred last year yeah yeah Uh, yeah any repercussions i know I know, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he was sitting behind a Heisman Trophy winner. And if he didn't want to wait his turn and there was no year to sit out, blah, 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 then he could just go anywhere he wants to. But, I mean, Kyler Murray in his first year at Texas A&M threw five touchdowns and seven interceptions. He sat out a year. Last year, he threw three touchdowns, or two years, two years ago, he threw three touchdowns and no interceptions sitting behind Mayfield. Uh, this ki- this is a kid who probably would have left Oklahoma too because he would had to, had to sit behind Mayfield, and then this year he had one good year. So let let's talk about him quickly before we get this get off this because we're we're, we're let's, going let's too get long off here. Transfers. I'm so tired. Let, let yeah, me too. It, it really is. It really is. It's it's tiring. Kyler Murray, if you're if you're the Cardinals, do you trade Josh Rosen? I know that no. they're his guy and they dispelled this rumor. Has Kyler Murray done enough to prove that he's even a first-round NFL quarterback? Um, I think in this day and age, he's a first-rounder in this draft class because it's yeah. so horrible for quarterbacks Yeah. that, that you can get a five-foot-eight quarterback drafted in the first round. Um, I think you've had enough success with shorter quarterbacks in recent years where the stigma's not there anymore. I don't think you give up on Josh Rosen and no. throw all your you know chips in the middle of the table on Kyler Murray. I think that would be ridiculous. I would love to see... Josh Rosen traded to the Patriots. That, that would be nice. That would be nice. Because then, you know, he can get developed over there and real offensive line and win a couple Super Bowls and, you know, Arizona would still be Arizona. But, um, no, I, I don't think so. I think he's a first-rounder. Um, I'm not sold on Haskins. I'm not Even sold though on he has him. tremendous running ability, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, and listen. I, I make fun of Stephen A. Smith all the time. The guy makes $80 billion more than I do. The guy's 80,000 times more famous than I am. And he's asked to talk about every sport. Yeah. I mean, if, if you threw me on the air and asked asked me about basketball, right? I wouldn't have any clue. But honestly, they really need to do something to educate him so he doesn't look so stupid. I mean, the Hunter Henry thing was embarrassing and now you've got Dwayne Haskins that's embarrassing I mean he's he's just clearly showing that he has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to certain things and this is ESPN this is national television I mean if you and I say something stupid on this podcast nobody's listening yeah and and we've said plenty of dumb stuff and and but we've both been in that world and we know kind of how it goes like you know, you're kind of prepared for the questions you're going to be asked, and then some someone goes off key a little bit and asks you something else, and you're sitting there and you have to come up with something. And if you don't know exactly 
what's going on with Dwayne Haskins, you could say something like he runs runs a lot. But when it comes to the Cardinals, I do I. I, I'm not against trading. I, I'm not for trading Josh Rosen because I think he's phenomenal. And and if you put any decent players around him, he'll be he'll be very good. But you could trade him and get some value for him now, uh, and take Kyler Murray and then try to build your franchise that way. I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do, but I don't think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard either. Like you could take a first round pick from last year. A lot of teams are desperate for quarterbacks. A lot of teams would trade a whole lot for Josh Rosen. And then you can get Kyler Murray on the team, who does fit what Cliff Kingsbury is going to try to do there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But, um, it, it, you know, we're talking Kyler Murray, who had one good year. Uh, you know, some people say a system quarterback, Baker Mayfield, might have dispelled. You know, the best thing that ever – what's funny is the best thing that ever happened to Kyler Murray is Baker Mayfield. Like, him going number one, him doing really well at in Cleveland this year – kind of justified Kyler Murray as being the first round pick and him skipping baseball and playing football in a lot of ways. I mean, he's a very talented kid, but he also brings a lot of concerning issues to the NFL. Like uh, if, a, if a defensive end wraps him up and takes him to the ground, is he going to get up? He's a not, not a big kid at all. Yeah, I think he's one of those kids, though. Like it's really hard to get a clean shot on him. Yeah, I do too. And even if you do get a clean shot on him, he just appears to be one of those kids that's almost too small to get hurt, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, it does. Yeah, Like Barry Sanders, you couldn't hit him anywhere. He was nowhere to I mean, be hit. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought Russell Wilson would get killed by now. And, you know, yeah. He's been very, you know, he's been banged up. And I, I think everybody, every quarterback's banged up. But I don't think Kyler Murray's going to, you know, burst into flames if somebody hits him. I think no. he's a pretty tough kid, and I think he is smart enough and quick enough where he's going to drive some people crazy. The big question will be, will he be figured out? Because, you know, Lamar Jackson had some success this year as a running quarterback, you know, who throws the ball. Yeah. Um, that's probably what Murray will be as a running quarterback. Now, he throws a much better ball than, than Lamar Jackson does, but you know they're going to build an offense around his running ability. Um and get him in space. And usually those guys have success early and then people figure them out. And, right. And then they kind of fall apart. You know, like Michael Vick had a lot of success early and then. Yeah. Even, even Cap, even Kaepernick had Kaepernick tremendous was, success. Yeah. Yeah. And he was figured out and there was a time where he was unstoppable, but right. You know, the adjusted defensives adjusted to his skill set and, you know, kept him in the pocket and, you know, or, I don't know. I mean, will he be a, a short Randall Cunningham who can run, but it's a pass-first guy and a much shorter Randall Cunningham and, you know, just drives you nuts because he could beat you in the pocket. and Right. Or Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is a good example. Mahomes yeah, is he a much shorter Mahomes? You. Yeah. Yeah, he can kill you outside the pocket. So. And it's you know, interesting – be- I'm sorry, but it's interesting because NFL teams seem to be doing this now. They don't want uh, – you know, the 6'6 quarterback sitting in the pocket. They do want Josh Allen, who can get out and run a little bit, and Mahomes, and they're trying to find those guys, whether they're 5'8 or 6'2. It, it doesn't seem to matter to them because they're adjusting their offense. You know, I mean, it's just incredible to see the transition at quarterback because it was just a few years ago that we were very concerned about if you're under 6 feet or under 6'3 or prototypical size, but it's almost like 
a lot of teams don't want that anymore. They do want the the guy that can create and be outside the pocket and do those kinds of things. And yet, our two Super Bowl quarterbacks are both yeah very immobile. Yeah, but you know, so. but in the but in the division finals, the other two weren't. So I mean, Drew Brees is like maybe six feet tall and amazing, and Mahomes is. It'll be interesting to see Mahomes. Is he the future of the NFL, or will he be a guy that gets figured out too? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we talked a lot about the transfers. I think we're it's done. Kind of, it's kind of exhausted me a little bit. Yeah, go take you a know, nap, Mike. The only other stuff that's really occurred, I mean, Ole Miss had to vacate 33 football wins after their violations. I'm sure they'll – I don't know if they can appeal that. I'm sure they will appeal that. Um does it matter if you vacate wins? I mean, you, no, I you look so. back in history at Hugh Freeze's record, and it's going to be pretty bad. Right. Because that's, I assume that's 33 losses that go on his record. Do those count um, as losses, or do those just count as, I, I would imagine they do, yeah. That's a good question. Let me let me see something. I'm going to go Wikipedia, because I love Wikipedia. Okay. I'm going to look at his record. Yeah, well... This is really weird. It's uh, he's he was zero and six one year, one and five another year. One and five, ten and three, zero and seven, thirty nine and twenty five. <laughs> That's not yeah. bad. But the, none of those are. I mean, only one of those is a full season. Yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. I don't. So Wikipedia is screwy. Well, that's stupid because anybody can update it, right? Anyone can update it, but one time I went in there and, and called my wife the best teacher in her school district on their page, and I got yeah. warned uh, oh. not to do it again. So I think it's I think it's, it somehow has to be legitimate. So well, I hope. Yeah, because we can put <laughs> anything we want in here about your freezer. I mean, you could literally go in there right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I that got. Is... It. That's how I wound her. I swooned her that way. That is romantic. How'd you meet your wife? Next podcast, we'll talk about that. Because <laughs> I, I knew you as uh, some loser who was covering UConn here in Connecticut, who I made gave me a, gave me a ride to the airport once. That's how uh, you knew me? Thanks, Mike. Who was, who was woefully single. I mean, woefully single. <laughs> uh, and the next thing I know, you go down to Florida, and then you're moving to the West Coast, and you're married. Like, how did this happen? You met her in Florida? Okay, we're we're not we're not talking about this right now. <laughs>